Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today's guest on the show is Rushes. Here's the opening track of his recent album slash project, Glowchild. The song is called Blue Ghost. Turning over like I'm waking up to every fall and error. Could I come down and really all those moments I'm involved in pleasure? Finding balance and emotion if we have to go together. Don't you remember everything like you've been looking by forever? Modesty when she asked me, what's the use in crying? Honestly, I should crash deep, what's the use in trying? Can you find me some clarity, maybe, in whatever you're supplying? Thought I stumbled on tragedy, baby, but lately I've been so blind. Rushes is Sean Walsh from Skibbereen in West Cork, home of Olympian rowers Fintan McCarthy and Paul O'Donovan. And Sean himself was a rower, so of course we talk a little bit about that and Broken Bones as well. We also talk about the music. Rushes has had an interesting journey, so we chart that from influences like Kanye West through to working with the acclaimed Diffusion Lab in Dublin, collaborating with the likes of Choice Prize nominated rapper Jafaris, who also appears on the absolutely brilliant track Feeling Like on Rush's album. Child is only nine tracks long, but like the press release says, it encapsulates a formative journey of struggle, fierce ambition, love, loss, and the clarity brought on by eventual sense of self-awareness. Set to a backdrop of smooth, meticulous, and sometimes hectic production, the melodies are soulful and sensual, with gorgeous harmonies permeating the tracks, making Glowchild sound unforgettable. Since we had this chat, Rushes has announced a headline show at Dublin Soundhouse, his first gig in over two years. That's on Saturday, November 20th. Tickets are on sale now and support comes from FA. Stick around to the end of the chat. Tear one of my songs of the year, Lost in Therapy. Here's Rushes on the Point of Everything podcast.
first question that I have written down on my list of questions beside me as I'm looking at you is Skibbereen, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, West Cork, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. So we could just spend half an hour talking about West Cork if you want. I, I don't know. You, t- you tell me. Completely. Yeah, it's, um, it's everything really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when you're growing up there, it's like a pretty interesting environment to grow up. Like it's so beautiful, lovely area. Um, and then it's like in the summertime, you get, you know, all the tourists and it's packed and the wintertime it gets very lonely and uh, gray and dull, you know, so it's a lovely place though. Yeah, I, uh, I went on holidays there. So I moved up to Dublin like 13 months ago. And so, of course, like, you know, I had a week, a week or two off in August. I was like, back to West Cork, I go. Exactly. Yeah. You always end up coming back home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you're, were you born in Skibbereen? Yeah, born in Skibbereen and lived all my life there up until I was about 19 when I left to go out to Dublin. And that was kind of the first time of leaving this environment. You know, it's very, you know, it's very, it's community based place. You know, it's everybody knows everybody. And yeah, it's a, it's a nice place to grow up. You know, it has, everything has, you know, their, their, their things, but it's overall, it's a really, really lovely place. Yeah, I, I grew up in Ross Carberry, so I can relate. I remember going to Skibbereen. It seems like it's it's uh, on the up again now. There's lots of good food places around around Skibbereen. Uh, the place has done well, I think, during COVID, you know, with the street furniture and, of course, the rowers. Exactly. The rowers is a big thing. And uh, I actually come from a, like a family of rowers as well. Myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, and I used to be a rower when I was really young. And so I, I know all of that culture and how like how hard they work and like it's so well deserved, you know, really well deserved. And it's really good for the town, you know, to see people that are that are inspiring and see people succeeding. And um, it's really good, bo- good boost for the, for the place. Do you know the lads, Finton and uh, Paul? Yeah. And Gary? Yeah, I would have rode with them. Uh, wow. Like very briefly because I kind of left, I like, broke my ankle and that was kind of my get out. <laughs> so uh I, I rode with them briefly before before I left. Yeah, but they're lovely lads, you know. Was it ever competitive against them? Did you ever beat them? Uh, I don't think I would ever have beaten Paul. <laughs> that guy is a he's a machine, you know. Um, yeah, I wasn't. I my heart wasn't in it. Like I was discovering at that point. Well, I had obviously been writing and stuff before that for that kind of time. But I think it was that period of period that I was like okay like I'd rather do this you know and I'd rather put my my time and energy into this and I think something like rowing or a sport that like is so competitive it's uh it's something that's kind of it drives you and then you can use that in other areas of your life you know um that kind of really you know hard work ethic and I think I kind of transferred that a bit into making music or like trying to come up with ideas and stuff what age would you have been when you were rowing and when you gave it up? Uh, I think I gave up when I was 17. So I think I rowed from uh, like 12, 12 to 17, so like five years. And I wasn't bad, but I wasn't great either. You know, I wasn't like world championship standard, but I was like Ireland standard, you know? Um, wow. Oh, so yeah, that's a little, actually, I haven't, like I, my friends know about it and all that kind of stuff, but nobody really knows that I row, or I did row. And uh, yeah. You haven't thought about picking up those oars again since seeing them in the Olympics? 
um, <laughs> maybe maybe like as a fantasy thing, I don't know. But like, it, it, it's really good exercise, I guess. So like, maybe the rowing machine or something. But it's, it's just <laughs> not for. It's just not really for me. No. I hate the rowing machine. The rowing machine is like the worst thing you can do in the gym. I hate it. It's it's hell on earth, like, but <laughs> it really is. So did you break your ankle when you were seventeen, and that was it, or did that come earlier? Yeah, no, that happened at that at that point. Yeah, around then. I don't know, it was in like PE class. I was like running laps of the sports center and uh, trying to beat everybody else, you know, being com competitive and like twisted on it. And I actually didn't know that it was broken for like four or five months. What? And yeah, so I was like rowing and stuff on a, it was like, like a broken ankle. It was like cracked. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, that, that might show kind of my, my, my brain or whatever. <laughs> but uh, so I just kept going. And then there was a point where I was like, there's something definitely wrong here. And then, I was in a boot for like a year and that's when I started going out, you know, going to the, you know, trying to sneak into the clubs and stuff in Skibbereen. And uh, even with the boot on, like getting into the club with the boots, <laughs> like, you know, I was wearing a boot for a year, you know, so it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, just in case anybody is listening who might have a broken ankle, uh, what eventually made you realize that it was broken? And did it not hurt? Did uh, it not hurt to be walking around on a rowing on? Yeah, it, it hurt. But I think um, that I was a bit too headstrong, I guess. You know, like I was just like, oh, it's going to pass, you know. Um, oh, right. Yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Uh, just like a that, That's a very male thing, isn't yeah, it? Just I being think, like, oh, I'm not sick. I think exactly. I think so. And, I, you know, there's, there comes a point where you need to be like, you need to check yourself and say, you know you should do something about this and I did and then that kind of led me into like when you're training when you're like training with rowing it's like 10 training sessions a week you know you're training before school and they go to school and after school it's it was mad you know and um, so that really opened up all my time to do other things and like really focus on the music then so so was rowing your your main hobby otherwise apart from like you know going to school um rowing was the main thing completely yeah like wow all 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 my time you know spent in them and especially because well my sisters were really involved in rowing um and they were both really really good so it was just like a household of that you know it just we all did the same thing that was it for a number of years but I always had the music thing inside me I was just like really needed to like craft it and like work on it you know Mm. Okay, I, I won't keep asking questions about the rowing, but like <laughs> I was, I was surprised, though I know I shouldn't have been, by when I was walking around Skibbereen in August and it was like almost every shop had, you know, a tribute to the rowers or congratulations to the lads. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great to see such a positive uh, response to it, but does it feel like every Skibbereen person now, they go anywhere else in Ireland and it's just like, oh, you must know the lads. You must, you must be into rowing yourself. Exactly, yeah. No, it, it does happen a lot. And, and at least I have a pretty good story with us. You know, a lot of people maybe just, you know, you might see them pass it. You might see the lads passing by or, you know, but it's good. It's good that's like, there's something that can, you know, bring that kind of, it's like a level of proudness to the town for like everybody to feed off and everybody to like move forward with. So it's, I think that's really good. So you feel proud of Skibbereen now, back when you were a teenager in the boot trying to get into uh, the clubs of yeah. Skibbereen. Was it just a case of like the Fontaines DC lads uh, saying boys in the better land, they just want to get out? Yeah, I think so. Because um, as, like, as nice as a place it was to grow up, it wasn't really 
I don't, it wasn't really for me, I guess, you know, I, I wanted to, it was when I kind of got the internet at a time, at a point and I was able to see the outside world and able to see like there was more to just what kind of goes on here and different inspirations where I wasn't really seeing things from here. And I was like, okay, well, that's where I want to be or like, that's what I want to do. The place is, is obviously lovely and amazing. Like, but, and it, but there was, there was definitely a point where I was like, I want to spread my wings and I want to, you know, find sources of inspiration from other places. Mm. Yeah. I, I am looking forward to finding out like that journey from Skibbereen to making such an interesting sounding album like Glowchild. Um, tell me what you were into around then. What were you listening to when you were thinking about doing music? Yeah, I think like early on, I think I got the internet like properly when I was like 13 or 14 because you know, you had the dial up before then and it was just not, it never worked. It would take like an hour to load like a, you know, a two minute YouTube video and stuff. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so before then I was, it was just what was on the radio, like popular music. Um, and if I, you know, maybe if I went to Cork once in a while, I might go into, you know, Golden Discs and buy like a CD or something that looked interesting on the cover, whatever. Um, and then it kind of, uh, when I got the internet and that, it kind of switched to more of a, I kind of went deep into like, uh, rap and R&B, especially, um, that kind of, that's just what I gravitated, gravitated towards. Um, and yeah, it was really just kind of that R&B sound and then just finding different ways to do that. You know, I think that, that came later on. It's like that's been the journey since then to get something to low child or, you know, what I'm looking to do afterwards, you know? When you say, you know, oh, when we got the internet, like if younger people are listening and they're like, what are they talking about? <laughs> like, I remember getting the internet as well. I both remember using dial-up to download an album when iTunes came out and it took, it took about 19 hours, I think. You had, to, you had to like leave the dial up in overnight. And I remember like going to bed and waking up and it still wasn't done. Yeah. So I had to leave it while I went to school. And then I remember getting broadband for the first time as well in school, gathering around with my friends and like opening up Google and being like, what should we do? And there was <laughs> nothing really to do. Yeah. Then. No. And then suddenly like Bebo came and MySpace and yeah. Facebook and everything. But at the start, it was like, I don't really know what to do with this. No. Yeah. You didn't know. <laughs> exactly. And I think like with that, when you're saying that, like um, leaving things overnight, if the phone rang as well, <laughs> it, would just, it would just, it would completely screw it up. Like you'd have to start all over again for me, for my internet anyway. Yeah. Bad. yeah. Um, so, so what took you to Dublin? Did you go to BIM or anything like that? Um, so initially I went to a music production college. It was in um, Wimble Lane Studios. So I, I applied for there and I got the, got the course and I was just like, okay, I'm set to go, you know? And uh, I went there and like, there was a really good, you know, group of lads, group of, group of people there, group of students, but it was more so about like being in the studio and kind of, you know, working behind desks and, you know, big desks and, you know, you know, synths and everything, everything was big and large. And what I was seeing online was just people making stuff at a much smaller, you really only need your laptop and like, you know, a few devices to make the music that you hear on the radio now so I thought it was a bit like it just wasn't really for me and I was looking for something more creative in terms of like writing music there wasn't really any kind of that that element to it so it came to like maybe the second semester I think and I was just like oh not really not really liking this so I I finished the year 
And I was just like, okay, at the end of the year, I'm going to defer my years or defer my next year so I can kind of live in Dublin and, you know, work anywhere I can and write music. And for that year is what I did. You, you weren't discouraged by that experience that like you weren't feeling the full effects of it or anything like that. You weren't like, fuck it, I'm not doing this anymore. No, I, it wasn't. It was just I saw it in a different way than what they were maybe, um, you know, teaching. You know, there was a lot, there was a lot of great elements to the course. Like I learned how to record myself and you know, all those, that kind of thing. Yeah, I was, I was looking for something more creative and I was like, okay, well, I'm in Dublin. This is the capital. I haven't, you know, lived here for an extended period. It was like, okay, well, what can I do to grow as an artist and like try and pursue it? And I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to take the time to write here and work on the side and just be in, be in, be here, you know? And that's what I did. Yeah, I spent like the year writing some, like horrible songs and just like nothing I would ever show anybody. Then I came out with a, like a good few demos and then decided to kind of work on those and pursue it then. Were you encouraged to do music when you were like still in school in Skibbereen or did it feel very much like, what are you doing? I think my, like my family never like pushed me towards anything like that, but they would always support me in whatever I wanted to do. And I think in school, some people, certain people would be like, oh, you know, don't do music or whatever, you know, or like, you know, it's like, I don't know what, what it was, but there was certainly elements of like, I guess it was the case of um, you're not, it's, so, it's such a hard industry to make it and, you know, or to, I think even teachers were saying that to me, it was like, you, you won't make it kind of thing. Um, um, it's like such, it's like 1%, you know, like those kind of things. And uh that kind of drove me on though. I think that was kind of something that I used as uh, like a, like a, just something to drive me forward. That kind of, that kind of, that kind of talk from people. And I used that and I just said, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. And yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so, so you feel kind of more like a child of the internet for want of a better phrase. I think so. Um, like, even though I got a kind of like latish, but yeah, I still think that that was the kind of, the driving force for me to be like, okay, there's, there's other things out there that I may necessarily not see or not, I'm not searching for here, you know, but I can search for it there, you know, so that's where I, that's where I found that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Lil Nas X is kind of another child of the internet. Yeah. He has it down to a T, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. he, he grew up like as a troll on the internet, apparently. Yeah. And now he's, you know, one of the biggest stars and he still does his own tweets and stuff. So yeah. uh, I think it's really interesting watching his career and like what comes next. I have no idea what kind of artist comes next or what their personas are going to be. But it'll, it'll, it almost feels like it's going to be post-internet or something like yeah. the biggest act is going to be someone who isn't on the internet. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's, it's always exciting, though, to see people's progressions and to see people, where people take it and like with him it's, it's yeah it's really really impressive to see what he's doing and see where it goes so you had your laptop what instruments did you play or did you play any like i always think when you know bands from west cork or anything start up you know it's always cover bands or you know just typical uh the killers covers or something was that was that like you or was were you doing something completely different like proper electronic type stuff and um, no i was like i I played guitar, but not very well at all. I never really applied myself to it. Um, my main thing was writing and just it kind of started off as just writing in like, a, you know, a notepad or whatever with no music, just like hearing the melodies in my head. 
you know, just writing that down and then remembering the melodies. When I was really young, I was about like six or seven, I used to record in this like Talkboy device, um, which is like what I got for a birthday present from my parents. And that was like my first recording experience. I don't know, it wasn't necessarily writing songs then, it was probably just whatever I heard on the radio, like singing it in. But that's where like I got my recording it started, I think. Yeah, I started playing guitar then. And yeah, no, I didn't reapply myself to it. But yeah, and then I went to like, just the, the, the writing, the writing side, just trying to figure out how do you, you put words together and how you like rhyme it and how you, you know, just develop a song. And is that just a case of just keep writing and eventually something clicks? I think so. Yeah, they're, they're definitely that. It's just you have to write a, like a load of bad things to like get to like one good idea. At the start, it's easy to get discouraged because they're all bad. Like there's never really anything that's good. Like um, I actually looked back on a notepad recently, like a, a month or so ago, and it, some of it wasn't terrible, but, it, but the majority was just like oh, so cringy. Just writing about literal nothing, you know. <laughs> had no substance to it. Tell me when Rushes comes into it, what what clicks for you that this project starts up? Can you pinpoint like the, the moment where it kind of began? So the name Rushes comes from, it was when we were leaving Skibbereen, like all my friends and we were kind of going off to college and I kind of wanted to encapsulate the time where it's like, nobody really knows what they're doing and they're going into something that's unknown as well. Like we're going off into the world when basically when you're li- growing up in this kind of community, you're kind of, kind of like babies, you know, it's like so, so small tightness. Um, so I thought just like rushes, like rushing and like that kind of like going forward without a real plan or idea of what's going to come. And that's where the name rushes kind of came from. Initially I wasn't looking to, um, really be an artist like I had like an idea of maybe in my head but I was kind of more interested in writing songs for other people and uh being a songwriter and kind of being behind the the scenes I guess and then I decided to so I was making demos and then there was a group of people in Dublin called Fusion Lab and they um they kind of said you know why don't you try and make your own music so that's what I did and that's like that was kind of the start of it you know putting out stuff as like as an artist oh okay so you worked with the diffusion lab guys yeah yeah tell me about that yeah so it was really good experience um while i was there it was just like uh you know going into the studio and different people like there was always people coming in and out different artists and it was just about like you know finding a sound and like working on it and kind of trial and error basically and um like I, i made the majority of Glowchild and all the kind of you know the singles and the EPs that came out before then uh, with the guys Chris and, Chris and Martin inside there that was kind of where I kind of developed as like an artist and like tried to piece together my story and to to put it in musical form yeah Diff- Diffusion Lab kind of worked with a load of rappers they still do don't they like Jeff- yeah. Jeffaris is is one who's come out of Diffusion Lab as well yeah yeah exactly yeah so yeah, it was kind of more of like a hip hop or R&B kind of base. And that's what that was like really what I wanted to dive into as well, because I love R&B. And it was just that I saw them as they were, you know, doing really cool things in the city. And I was in the city and I wanted to make music. But it was initially just I wanted to, you know, write these songs for other people and for them to, you know, them to put them out. But 
it was them that was were, were just like you know you should do it yourself um just a, qu- a quick sidetrack since uh we're talking about r&b have you listened to the new drake and kanye albums and yeah. any thoughts on them <laughs> you have yeah. the floor so yeah so would you be a fan of drake um you know you i i would be if like i i would listen to drake you know i would uh there's so, so few people fan. want to admit being a fan <laughs> he is he's he, there is obviously there's inc- incredible songs in his discography like ones that stick out like you know like marvin's room or there's, there's like tuscan leather or like there's these kind of songs that are you know really really good and some older projects have been really really strong i feel like on the drake album this time it wasn't it just wasn't for me i don't know it it just it it didn't really feel like the projects it didn't really feel what i would get from the older drake projects that that is being you know placed now i think with kanye though kanye is a huge inspiration for me and probably one of the the main inspirations as an artist just because of his like relentless like risk taking i think and even onto his tent his, his tent studio album the risk that he does take on the songs is is really really special and even if it doesn't hit the mark sometimes it's still it's you can still have to be like um appreciative of him taking risks you know still and you know, so so long into his career so that's how i feel about the i i you know don is the one <laughs> <laughs> you weren't put off by jesus's king so no i actually kind of chose not to really listen to it I listened to a couple singles I think and I was just like I, I know that it's not for me so I was just like okay I'm not going to I'm not going to really dive into it I put like I think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was a really big one for me growing up just because of the it's like lush and it's just like so expansive and so um grandiose kind of sounding and that was what I loved and the the, the rising on that was incredible as well I really like the Yay album as well. I just like the sound of it. That was really cool as well. Yeah. Did you follow the whole cycle of is Donda going to be released yet? You know, and Kanye like sleeping in the football stadium in America. Were you like constantly checking updates? Like, oh, has it dropped yet? Has it dropped yet? Uh, I think like it's amazing how he was able to suck in so many people into that like whirlwind of just like hype and expectation. And that's just like Kanye can do that, you know, like just selling out like, you know, three stadiums for, you know, three shows is ridiculous. Like, as, but I loved it as it was kind of what I saw the listening party thing as was like a, um, what's the word? It's not like a serve, you know, like how you, you know, it's like market research or something, you know, it's like he was, he played the first and then in the second one, like drastically got better. And then it's just like, maybe he took it as a way of, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, scrapping ideas, putting in new ideas and like fleshing out the project that way. I, I, I saw it as that. And I think it was just, it was a, it was a cool idea to do. It was different, different kind of rollout than what you would normally expect. Mm, and it's kind of hard to talk about Donda without talking about the way that it was released. Like, I actually think Donda's kind of a good album, despite its like ridiculous length. And the fact, yeah. like, um, you know, you try to ignore some of the hype just because, you know, you want, you want to just hear the album and hear if it's actually good. And I think it's okay. I think it's okay. I think it definitely is. Like, it's it's uh, obviously way too long. Um, but 
yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a good album. Like I, I there's some moments on there. I think come to life. That song with like that piano like outro is 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 beautiful. Like and that wasn't in any of the listening parties from what I know. So that must have been made like in a quick succession. So I don't know. That was there. There's some. It's it's like moments on the project are incredible. I think as a whole thing, it's like maybe too long and some points don't hit the mark. Do you think that's okay in 2021 when everyone has Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, they can just pluck their own songs? Do you think that's okay for an album or ultimately would you get disappointed by, you know, the fact that the album itself isn't great, but there are these like five great tracks Ooh. on it? And, you know, you can you can relate that to yourself. Like, would you be disappointed if someone only listen to five tracks on a playlist of Glowchild or do you want them to hear the full thing? For me, I think I prefer albums that are like super cohesive and super, each song makes sense, you know? When we're living in kind of a day where you need those like massive albums to, to basically work up the streaming numbers, you know? Something with like Drake is like maybe something that we haven't gotten or something that was there earlier on in his career is like making a super cohesive you know project you know project you know with like you know a, a ten track or like twelve track that's what I would love to see from Drake you know the, the super huge albums I know I, I like understand why they're there but you know if there's if there's skips in them I just don't I just I don't really understand why that's there as well you know listening to you talking about Kanye and Drake I guess it's no surprise that in the press release for Glowchild there is this phrase that you have fierce ambition is that something that you've always had that you were like really really determined for this to be a success and you wanted to be like as big as possible yeah I think so like I I'm not gonna lie about that like I, I want to succeed and I want to always put like my best foot forward and always like whatever I'm putting out it's like hundred percent of me like I haven't left anything off the table that's just kind of the way I want to, you know to move forward is just to be relentless about it and to really succeed you know that's just the yeah I think and I would have got that from like Kanye there's like I don't really have like that one main main inspiration but there's pieces of people that I've like grown up looking at and like seeing the way they they move and the way they kind of you know put out their music or the way they they act and that's that's inspiration for me to like you know to take parts of the, take parts of them you know yeah um just listening to different people talk about the likes of bim the music college in dublin and also diffusion lab it does seem like the main thing that they get out of it is just being surrounded by music all the time being surrounded by different musicians doing different things and always having these other people to bounce ideas off of but is there a sense of ambition there as well among the artists like do, do you do you get that sense just from being around all the guys who are in diffusion lab yeah i think like everybody wants to you know everybody wants to see you or to for them to do well you know you you have to have that to to make it you know it's a it's a cutthroat industry it's it's uh it's not it's not for the faint-hearted so you just have to keep that like drive and inspiration going and to move forward with that you know and when did Glowchild start so when when did uh you begin working on that what was what was the vision what was the Donda-like vision I just wanted to put out like something that was kind of like um, a first introduction to me, like as a, as a whole. 
and it's you, you released an EP a couple of years ago, and you're kind of build, building on that now. Yeah, that was that was the I released the EP, and that like it was it was good, and I I really like enjoyed it, and I really liked it, and like loved making that process. But it wasn't what I was like wanted to hit at, you know. Um, I wanted to um grow on that idea and really like flesh it out, and started kind of more so, more so. It, the, the the change was I went into more personal experiences and like really dove deep into me as a person and that's where I kind of went on this role of just making songs that were I felt them you know maybe in the you know when you're certain times when you're making songs you don't actually you know you can't really connect to them but like all these songs I connect to and all these songs like I love and it was just about piecing it together as a whole and to um, make it make sense you know and make that story make sense. Is it enjoyable or is it like absolutely rotten like diving into that personal side of things and trying to figure it out like we might talk about the likes of lost in therapy mm. uh in a little bit but actually putting yourself on show like there there are lines throughout the album that kind of grab me like whoa wasn't expecting this is that an enjoyable experience discovering being able to write like that or is it like you would more than happy not do that uh there's two sides to the coin definitely like i think a really like uh, it's a just a really good feeling I think is to be able to find a way to say how you're feeling in the way you actually want to say it because I would debate over lines for hours and hours and like you know days you know just like re- restructuring words and like uh, th- that's the kind of way I write and just try to make everything exactly how I would want to say it and how I would like it to be put out and when you're when you get that it's a really great feeling other side of that is it's kind of daunting to share your your life with everybody and but I think when I was growing up that was the music that like helped me or uh, like it was the one things that I gravitated towards so I think doing that with my own music is is the right thing to do. Uh, we might talk about a couple of the tracks on Glow Child the first track is called Blue Ghost I think it's about raving is it? Yeah yeah. That was a very, that was a very like uh, rural Ireland guy. What's about <laughs> raving, is it? That's yeah, brilliant actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that should just be my that should just be my interview style from now on. Yeah. I hear you've been raving. Yeah, that's like um what is it? You're, you know, you're still at the old music, like, are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, t- tell me about this raving. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Um that song I think it was like the second song I wrote for the project and I was kind of like trying to bring in uh, like home and I, was, I wasn't really realizing that home would be such a big, you know, element of this project until I actually had the song, all the songs were completed and I came back home to Skibbereen for the pandemic. And um, Blue Ghost was kind of about the first experiences of going to like those raves and like that like element of the, it's like the unknown and just like, see it's like otherworldly you know um especially there's ones down here I won't name the locations or whatever because <laughs> they're they should they're off the grid but uh like uh, just in like forests and like fields you know random places and um when I was younger as well like growing up in in Skiv, like maybe 18 19 or when I would come home maybe for the summer holidays when I was you know, in college or in Dublin or whatever um I would usually be the driver you know I like to to drive like the instead of like drinking on a night house like I might drive around you know so I really get to see 
just the I really get to you know to see the clear, a clear picture of what's going on and uh, <laughs> the experience take hold of the others exactly yeah so that's that's where that kind of song came from and just piecing it together into a cohesive story and um yeah that's where it came from basically mm. Is, something about those nights that you're describing it's like at the time you're having a, a brilliant time but it's only like later on you're just thinking thinking back on it and just realizing like fucking hell that was an amazing experience yeah i think you don't appreciate those moments until i like you know well after and i think to get like songs out of these experiences you know is is something beautiful you know to to make even if i'm writing about you know certain topics that are hard to discuss for me in person and stuff or whatever having a song from that experience or those experiences is is really it's a really nice thing to have and I'll always have and it's, it's always going to be out there. We mentioned him earlier, Jafaris. You have uh, him featuring uh, on Feeling Like. Tell me about uh, the working relationship with Jafaris. Like, I think he's an incredible artist. He's incredible. Like, he's so talented. So, like, his work ethic is crazy. Um, his He can write super quick as well, um, which I'm just, like, like, just in awe of it's like he can just he just keeps going and like never sleeps like actually when when I'm around him like he always like dozes off like sleeping and stuff um because I just think that I, all the other times he's just working and making music and always trying to like um expand his his art and to to be in the studio with him is like really special um so I think having him on the project was really important and um he 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 killed it and I'm really, really happy for him to be on there. Mm. Have you worked with him before? Have you done other stuff with him? Yeah, so there was another track on the first EP, uh, like the first EP, um, and that was called Stillwater. He was on there as well. We've made music uh, a lot, but we just haven't really put it out or, you know, it didn't really work or whatever, you know, so, um, but it's always great to be, you know, making music with him and I wish, you know, he's going to have an incredible career as well. Yeah, let, let's hope so. Um, Lost in Therapy is a pretty obvious title, I suppose. I don't know if you want to tell the story behind that. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's the 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 toughest song that I've you know had to write. I think, um, but also the most I'm most proud of it because I was able to get out what I was feeling inside, and that's like as we're saying, that's something that I really. I'm proud of. I guess I was just to not really go super into it. I was going through a very rough time. I was, you know, in therapy for a number of years and trying to just, you know, to to work through my life, you know, and work through the the experiences that I've had and to yeah, to to better myself as a person, I think. Lost in therapy itself was I remember that second verse which is like probably the most honest thing I've wrote it just came out super quick and I was just in like in shock afterwards like it was just releasing something uh, like making that song was uh, like a tough experience but it was like a, a beautiful experience as well because I was like so proud of it you know releasing it as well was kind of difficult because there was such a gap between I made it and released it you know I felt like I've lived that song like a thousand times over you know it, it's like Releasing it, I was kind of just unsure of um, what people would think of it or the, the, what people 
would think of me or whatever, Joe, but um, just to be able to have it out there is, is, is amazing and to get it, like such a nice reaction from it and to just to have it, have it out, you know? I think it's incredible seeing like the likes of Lost in Therapy, what you're writing about and other artists as well who are kind of talking about this topic and putting themselves out there and not being afraid to, you know, discuss their mental health, but also set it to like, you know, a great tune as well. I think it kind of shows how far we've come as a country and also just in the past couple of years, you know, like it felt almost like um, Blind Boy, for example, was the only person talking about mental health. And now suddenly you know there's pop music being written about it yeah yeah i think it's like such a it's such an important thing to you know as a discussion and to it's just the more you talk about it it's just like the more i don't want to be too like you know um you know oh i'm I'm great or whatever you know but it's like people you know people growing up in skibbering that's um you know that, that were my age when i was you know starting off making music it's like you can you can you can say things that you're maybe afraid to say, you know, that you can kind of, you can, you can be honest and you can be open and you can be vulnerable and it's okay to be those things, you know? And maybe when you're growing up in like a super, you know, country area, you may not be able to express that, but like the more you're, it's talked about and the more you, you kind of advocate for that, then it's easier for people growing up to, 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 to do that, you know? So that's maybe some of the, you know, it was just that courage to say it. And, you know, I hope it like maybe passes on to other people. That would be like a really cool thing to come out of the, that song or songs that I put out maybe in the future. Before we talk about the future, how do you feel about Glowchild as a whole project now? You're proud of what you've uh, accomplished? Completely, yeah. Yeah, to to be able to do it, like uh, to be able to put it out and put it out, you know, as a self-release, you know, completely independently and to, to do what we were able to do with it was, it's tough to do it. Um, but I'm just like super proud of it to be out and I'm super proud of the project and the music and I'll, I'll always stand by it. So it's like, I just can't wait for it to, to, to live a new life. Maybe when, you know, when it's on stage or um, just, well, just to see, just to see how it goes, you know, and to carry that momentum into the, into the future and to, yeah, to, but I'll always be proud of it. You know, I'll always be proud of that project. Um, and so what's next? What's, what's in the immediate future? What's in the distant future? Yeah, I think obviously there because there was there was a, a real big gap between I released like the glimpse EP and the how the, how the project um, came out and I don't necessarily want that anymore. It's like I want to be consistent like, on a consistent basis. So I think that's what's going to come next is, is just consistent music that is um, to the quality that I wanted at. Yeah, that's the that's the future. And then to obviously live stuff is going to be really important as well and to really focus on that and getting those shows to the the best way they can be. It sounds like you're already well into making like the next thing or the next couple of tracks. Have you noticed uh, a change in how you're writing or what you're writing about? Yeah, definitely because just because of these songs were all written like the Glowchild songs were all written in uh, 2019. So and they weren't released until obviously 2021 or whatever so I grew a lot since then especially over the pandemic maybe there wasn't like a lot of inspiration because we were stuck at home but as like a writer and as even the tone of my voice has completely changed I think and I'm excited to 
show that and I'm excited to you know to show that another side of me or a, a new way of putting my words you know and that's exciting and to do something that's kind of I wanted to just um really push push the push how far I can go and push how far music can go in a in an interesting direction and that's the kind of that's that's what I'm excited about yeah that that sounds excited I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next but for now uh congratulations on Glowchild I think you've accomplished something really really excellent something you should be proud of and thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me this morning thanks so much cheers Destruction. Oh no, till it gets me. I wake up in hopes I'm not feeling nothing. Lay on my chest till it's surely sunk in. Probably push that back, cause most days it's better than just feeling something. Smile when I'm outside and see a stranger. Decisions I should take back what I'm missing I don't see the love around me All I need is an intervention Pressure cause I made the call that leave me on my own Now I'm lost inside the phone Like where the f*** did I go wrong? I'm frightened I won't ever make it out From secrets I keep hidden Talking to you made me feel like there was someone wrong Listen, shield me from myself Cause now I know that I'm my only enemy This legacy is drowning out in endless Without a pain of who to blame For losing faith in my last name And family has lost its place inside my heart I hope it changes I got a lot leaving me anxious Keep me deep from the damage No beauty left in sadness If I die, at least I know that I tried and if I cry, it shows that I'm still alive You stay round for the truth Holding you there with me too When you saw the real in me When I was pleading from the weight of my life I don't know what's meant for me I'm lost in therapy Searching through moments that leave me 